He is risen. He is risen Amen. It is Easter, you guys. It is good to be here and worship the King. I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 24. It begins this way. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and returned from the tomb, and reported all of these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James, also the other women who were with them, telling them these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only. And he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. How many of you have never heard that story before? How many of you thought to yourself when you were thinking about coming to church on Easter Sunday, I wonder what Pastor Doug will preach on this week? It, you know, it doesn't really matter very much what your background is. Um, our culture is, a, a, you know, a big mixed culture, but a part of our American culture is Easter. It's just part of our culture. Um, and, and we've celebrated in one way or another, and, and you may have celebrated in a certain way growing up, or maybe your family didn't pay much attention to Easter, but probably you know what it's all about. And so, so we're here for all kinds of different reasons this morning. Somebody is probably here because their family pressured them to be here. And you know, don't, you're not to elbow anybody. I, but, but maybe you're here because you know, it was made clear to you, hey, we're a family, this is what we do as a family, and we're going to go. Maybe you're here because it's a tradition. You know, it's Easter, we go to church, we hunt for eggs, we eat ham, that's what we do on Easter, that's our tradition. Maybe you're here because uh, you have a kid who dragged you here because there's an Easter egg hunt. Maybe you're here every Sunday and you, you wouldn't miss it and this is kind of the highlight of the year for you. But whatever brought you here, it probably isn't because you were wondering what the Easter story is. So I thought about that as I was thinking about what I would share with you this morning. And I realized that all of us have heard that Easter is about the empty tomb. Easter is about the fact that He is risen. Easter is about the fact that He died on the cross, had victory over our sins, and then rose on the third day, having victory over death on our behalf. And death no longer has the last word because of Easter. Amen? Amen. That's great news. In Christ, we can live forever. You know that. That's what Easter is about. But since you already know the details of the Easter story, I'm wondering if maybe I could just 
share a little bit of my story with you today. Because for me, Easter was something, uh, as I was growing up, that uh, I celebrated. In our house, uh, we were not a particularly religious family. Uh, We didn't belong to a church. Going to church on Easter was not a part of our tradition, but we did have traditions. We got up early in the morning and hunted for eggs. We, uh, you know, we got big baskets of candy. There was something about a bunny and all of that stuff, right? And we celebrated Easter, but not in a religious way. My family, you know, so my parents sort of had this idea that religion is a good thing, but it's a personal thing and everybody should sort of grow up and choose their own way and we're not going to really, you know, expose our kids to any of that. So we didn't grow up in church, but there was this thing And if you're my age, you will remember this, perhaps, that um, in the 60s and 70s, there was a a movement with churches and Sunday schools where they would send buses out to the local communities and pick up kids, right? Did any of you do that? And, And ride the bus, you know, so mom and dad would get to stay home. It was like free babysitting. Put your kid on a bus. Nowadays, it boggles the mind to think that you would do that, right? A bunch of strangers come to your house. Hey, listen, we have a busload full of children. We'd like for you to give us your kid, and we will take him away. In about three hours, we will bring him back. Okay? And then, right? I don't know if that speaks so much to how my parents felt about me, or if that just was the culture of that day, but that's what we did. And so I went to those Sunday schools on the bus when I was five, six, seven years old with my brother, and, uh, and they would tell us about Jesus. And I remember they told us that, that basically there's heaven and there's hell, and heaven is really awesome, and hell is really terrible. And if we wanted to go to heaven instead of hell, we needed to pray a prayer and ask Jesus into our hearts. And I was not a genius at the age of five, but I knew that really awesome is better than really terrible. And so I prayed that prayer. And I would go back next week and pray that prayer again, and I would go back next week and pray that prayer again, because I knew what was going on in my life in between those Sundays, right? And I didn't want to miss heaven, and I didn't want to go to hell. So I said that prayer, but I'll tell you the truth. I never really expected anything from Jesus. As I grew, my family moved, and uh, the Sunday school bus ministry was no longer an option for us, and so... Church was no longer a part of our lives, and we didn't go, and to be honest with you, that was perfectly fine with me because I would much rather run around and play games and sports on Sundays than to go to Sunday school anyway, so it was better for me that way. I made no complaints, and to be honest with you, I just kind of forgot about Jesus, and, and it, there was a memory that once I had gone to this church and prayed this person, I sort of considered myself a Christian. I wasn't a Muslim, I wasn't a Buddhist, and I was an American, right? So I'm a Christian. And I never gave it any more thought until I began to have some struggles in my life. And, and like most families, our family had our issues and there was some, some dysfunction and there was some pain and there was some junk in our family and that resulted in a lot of junk in my life and, and I, I was the most angry kid you've ever seen. And today... If I had, was growing up today, there would be a whole bunch of labels for me that they didn't have in those days. But I was a mess of a kid. And I was extremely, extremely angry. And I was so angry and so used to being angry that I didn't even know I was angry. Does that make sense? That was just the way I always lived. And, and um, as time went on, 
that anger turned into violence. I became extremely aggressive. I was fighting all the time. The police were coming to our house, knocking on the door. There were dads showing up at our house with dental bills saying, you know, my kid went to school with teeth, and then he met your son, and he came back without teeth, and here's the bill. And, and there was a lot of that. A lot of that. And as I got to age 10, 11, I discovered the wonders of alcohol. And having grown up in an alcoholic home, I, I, you would think that I would stay as far away from that as possible, but I didn't. I decided that instead I was going to do whatever I could to feel better whenever I could. And so I started drinking at 10, 11, 12 years old. By the time I was 13, I was already in bad shape where alcohol is concerned. And it was around that time, 12, 13 years old, that, that I began to really discover girls. And you know what? Girls are cool. And so um, I really sort of got into this whole party scene as a junior high kid and, and got really involved with a, a bunch of people, a lot of them older than me. And um, my life was spinning out of control. Issues with the police, issues with alcohol, issues with violence. And it began to get pretty bad. I was at school one day, uh, eighth grade, playing basketball, and a uh, kid took a cheap shot and fouled me, and I got up and said something to him. He said something back, and this is how it goes in the playground. Pretty soon he took a swing at me, and I took a swing at him, and when I hit him in the jaw, I saw his lights turn out, and he went down flat on his back, and uh, unwilling to leave it there, I jumped on him unconscious, and began to beat him. And I don't know how many times I hit him, but I know that somewhere in there I broke my hand on his skull, and somewhere his face began to look deformed. And finally, after maybe 50 or 75 punches, some adults came and pulled me off of him, and he was unconscious, and his face was caved in, and the ambulance was coming. I'm an eighth grader, and they're taking him away, talking about whether he's going to live or die. And I went home that night, and it was the first time in my life I ever really felt that kind of fear. And of course, I had fear about what happens if he dies. Of course, I had fear about, am I going to go to prison for this? Of course, I had fear about all of that, but really the thing that scared me the most was, was looking back and seeing myself completely out of control, rage owning me and beating this kid to a pulp and knowing that if nobody had pulled me off of him, I would have never stopped. So I went into my room that night and I wept and I stayed up all night crying and I remembered that Sunday school prayer. And I, I cried out to God, and I'm not kidding, my prayer was this, God, if you exist, if you are there, whatever your name is, help me. I need your help. And I cried and I prayed all night. A few days later, that kid got out of the hospital. A week or two after that, he returned to school. It was determined that the whole thing was his fault, and there was no, press, no charges pressed, but I was shaken. 
I had a girlfriend at the time. I was in the eighth grade. She was a junior in high school, and um, we were sexually active, and I got this call. Hey, um, I think I'm pregnant. Now, I know that's a harder situation for the girl than it is for the guy, but I only experienced it myself as a 14-year-old. And I remember that same shock of fear that came to me at that time. And it reminded me of the fear I felt after the fight. And once again, I went to my room and stayed up all night crying and praying again to this God who may or may not be there. What if He is there? If He is there, please help me. And I remember calling out to Him and begging Him to somehow get me out of this situation. Could I drop out of school? Could I get a job? Would I marry this girl? What do you do at 14? I didn't know, but I knew it wasn't good. And I prayed. And I called out to God, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I didn't expect Him to do anything. I wasn't sure if He existed. And I certainly didn't expect much from Him. And a few days later, I got a call. She told me it was a false alarm. And I had dodged two bullets in a matter of weeks. But God had my attention. And it was just shortly after that that someone invited me to a youth group. And I went to this youth group and met a bunch of other teenagers around my age. And I met some people for the first time. I think I met some people who actually knew Jesus personally. It wasn't just religion for them. It wasn't just Sunday school. It wasn't that they had just prayed a prayer, but they knew him personally. And I could see the difference between them and me. I could see the difference between my anger and their peace. I could see the difference between uh, my dis distraction and their focus. I could see the difference between my purposeless life and their purpose. I could see the difference between my emotions that went like this and their joy that seemed to be consistent no matter what else was happening. And I realized there was something there. And so once again, I prayed, but this time I prayed to Jesus. And this time I didn't just pray, Lord, get me out of this. I prayed, Lord, I give myself to you. And I don't know what this is like for other people. This is just my story. But I was on my knees by myself when I prayed that prayer. And when I stood up, for the first time in my life, I was not angry. And I could tell the difference. And the Lord began to do an amazing work in my life. Jesus answered my prayers. Jesus responded with power to things that I was powerless over. I had expected nothing from him. And he delivered everything. Here's my point. Easter is good news for those who don't expect much from God. Do you remember the story that I, that I read? Um, the one that you said, oh, we know this story, we've heard this story. Luke chapter 24. Remember those women and the disciples? That the women came to the tomb that day not expecting to find it empty, right? They came bringing spices and wrappings. They were going to finish preparing the body for burial. They came fully expecting that he was dead. And when they got there and the tomb was empty, although he had told them again and again and again, I will rise on the third day, they did not know what had happened. They didn't know what to think of it. He had heard, they had heard from him over and over that he was going to do something spectacular, something amazing, and they didn't expect him to do it. 
And they ran back and went to the disciples. You know, Peter, James, John, those guys. They went back to those guys. And it tells us, what does it say? It's like verse 10. It says, uh, now they were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women with them telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense and they would not believe them. These are the people who had followed Jesus the most closely. They had watched all the miracles, heard all the teaching, and yet they knew what we know. Death is forever. When somebody dies, they don't get better. When somebody is dead, they don't raise. They had seen the spear go into his side and into his heart and the blood and water pour out. They had seen him wrapped in linen and put into this tomb. They knew he was dead. And they couldn't fathom the idea that somehow he could do something as amazing as raise himself from the dead. He had said he would do it, but they didn't take it literally. But guess what? When they got to the tomb, they did find it empty. And ultimately, they did discover that Jesus keeps his word that Jesus can do the amazing, and that when Jesus says he's going to deliver, Jesus always delivers. And so, so we may think, you know what, I don't, I don't really expect much from God. You know, I, I think God is a nice idea, and, I, and I, I, I believe in Jesus and all of that, but, you know, it doesn't really have much impact on my life. I don't really expect much from him, and I want you to know that Easter is good news for those of us who don't really expect much from him. Because the fact that he was alive changed their lives forever. It changed everything forever. Maybe you're here today and you've never really expected much from Jesus. But Jesus claimed to be God. And he claimed that he was the only way to heaven. And he backed it up when he rose from the dead. And he promised that he would defeat death on our behalf... And he would make it possible for us to have eternal life. But beyond that, he promised that he would give us life abundantly, right here and right now. And I just want to tell you, as a kid who came from that place and who has now been walking with Jesus for the last 30 years, (laughs) I want you to know it's true. I can attest to the fact that he takes... um, you know, your, your distraught situation and replaces it with peace. I can attest to the fact that he takes a hopeless situation and infuses it with hope. I can attest to the fact that when you are helpless and flat on your back and you know that you can't fix it, he is able. I've lived it. I'm living it today. Love, joy, peace, hope, all of that stuff comes from Jesus. Guys, listen. I have, this is funny to think on Easter, I have put all of my eggs in one basket. (laughs) I didn't even think of that when I wrote. I put all my eggs in one basket and his name is Jesus. If he is not risen, I'm toast. Everything that I believe, everything that I live for, everything that has meaning in my life is related to him. And you know what? He has never under-delivered once. So if you've never expected much from Jesus, it's time to start expecting more. It's time to start looking to Him and to realize that He really is alive. It's not just a, a fable at Easter time. He really is alive. 
And He really is interested in you. And He really is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that you could ask or even think. Easter is good news for those who have never really expected much from Jesus. But the story doesn't stop there. Because Easter is also good news for people who are headed in the wrong direction. Let's keep reading in Luke. I'm going to just pick it up in verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. I don't know how that works. I know a little bit about this book, and I don't know how that works. I don't know what he did, the risen Jesus, so that these men who had been his disciples, his followers, didn't recognize him. I don't know if he just sort of blinded their eyes somehow spiritually. I don't know if maybe he was just like walking and the sun was behind them and there was glare. And they, I don't know what the deal was, but somehow he made it so that they could not recognize him. And he said to them, what are these words that you were exchanging with one another as you were walking? And they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and in word and in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But look at this. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since it's all happened. But also some of the women amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and they did not find his body. And they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. They, they had been followers of Jesus. They had heard that he was risen. They knew about the empty tomb. They knew that he had promised to raise again on the third day. And yet, here it is, the day of the resurrection, and they are going that way. They are walking away from their calling that Jesus had put in their life. They have decided that Jesus has disappointed. Jesus had let them down. They said, we were hoping that he was going to be the one. But now he's dead. And our hopes are dashed. So you know what? We thought we found the right way, but now we've got to go back this way. And they were walking away from Jesus. They were going back to their old lives. So they're headed in the wrong direction. They're going to try to figure this out without Jesus and start over. Because they were disappointed. I know a lot of people like that. It's not that they haven't heard about Jesus. Maybe they were raised in the church. Maybe, maybe they, they were really involved in a youth group and at one time pretty excited about this whole Jesus thing. But you know what? Life got hard. And some things happened that they didn't understand. And, and there were some prayers that they wanted answered a certain way and they weren't answered the way they wanted them. And they began to just think, you know what? This Jesus thing is a joke. 
And they just got disappointed. And they just got discouraged. And they just said, you know, I was walking that way, but from now on I'm going to walk this way. Somehow, some way, somewhere, I got to find a way. Some of you know just what I'm talking about. You look for a way to somehow bring meaning to your life. Maybe if I find the right relationship and you go through a string of relationships only to find that none of them fulfill you. Maybe if I, you know, I'll just lose myself in alcohol and drugs and I'm going to just go that way and just dull the pain and at least I'll feel better. But it doesn't fulfill. I'll I'll throw myself into work. I'll, I'll achieve some things and get some notoriety, make some money. But still, at the end of the day, there's an emptiness. I'm going to try religion. I'll try this one and this one and this one and this one until I find a way that works for me. But there is no way that works for us except Jesus. And nothing really satisfies, does it? We're trying to stuff things into that hole in our hearts that only Jesus fits in. Nothing satisfies except Jesus himself. Guys, the tomb really is empty. Jesus really is risen. And He really is able to give us life where we had been settling for counterfeits. And He offers us so much more. But here's the thing. Remember when I was that little kid and I was just praying this prayer because I, I want to stay out of hell and if i got to hedge my bets, I'll, I'll take my chances with Jesus. Listen, this is not about taking your chances with Jesus. This is about submitting your life to Jesus. This is about saying, God, you made me, you created me, you know what I'm about, you have a plan for my life, I'm going to just rest in you, I'm going to put my faith in you, I'm going to put my trust in you. And it doesn't matter if you've been walking away from Jesus. It doesn't matter how far you've gotten. The scripture teaches us that as soon as we turn around, he makes up the distance and he carries us home from there. So if you've been walking away from Jesus and you know it, I have good news for you today. Jesus has not given up on you. He's never gotten you out of his sight. He went out on the road and chased those dudes down. He found them while they were walking away. And he revealed himself to them so that they too could have the life that he came to give them. And and guess what they did when he revealed himself? They turned around. They stopped walking away from Jesus and they started walking with him. Look at verse 30. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, breaking it, and began giving it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. Friends, if you've been walking in the wrong direction, I am so glad you're hearing this today. Because this is God's invitation to say, I have not lost sight of you. I love you. I have a plan for your life. Come with me. And don't you think maybe it's time for some of us to just get up And stop going in the direction we're going and start going in the direction of Jesus. Now before I close, I need to mention one other group of people for whom Easter is good news. Easter is good news 
for those who have already blown it with God. I just want you to think of this. If you're here a couple weeks ago, we talked about Peter. Remember Peter? He was Jesus' buddy, his right-hand man. They, they did everything together, and God had put this great calling on Peter's life, and Jesus said to him, Peter, um, this is going to be a tough night for you, and before this night's over, you are going to betray me. And Peter said, Lord, I will die first. I guarantee you. He looked at all the other disciples. He goes, these guys, maybe, but I will never betray you. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny three times that you even know me. Remember? And what happened? Peter denied him. Not once, not twice. And that third time, he shouted out a curse, and he swore that he'd never even heard of Jesus, never even met him, never even known him. And then the rooster crowed. And hearing the sound of the rooster, Peter looked up, and there was Jesus, bloodied and beaten, being led by the soldiers through the courtyard. And Jesus locked eyes with Peter. And the Scripture says that Peter broke down and wept like a baby and ran away. And of course, that night got worse for Jesus. They hung him on a cross and he died. And Peter had to live with the fact that when he had one chance to prove his love for Jesus, he completely blew it. And there's no going back. Because Jesus is dead now. My guess is that there are a number of us who can relate to trying to follow God, but then somehow falling flat on our face somewhere along the road and just getting lost and realizing that, that of our own free will, we just basically told God to take a hike and we went and did our own thing. And, and there's a number of us, I'm sure, who know what it's like to feel like I have blown it so much in my life. I've gone so far in the wrong direction that there is no redeeming me. Listen, Peter denied Jesus, broke his relationship with Jesus, and then Jesus died. That was it. It was over. Until the third day. Because on the third day, Jesus rose. And you know what he did? The first thing he did, he went looking for Peter. In, in the story that we're reading, the women go and they run to the disciples and they tell them and it says the disciples didn't believe them. They thought they were nuts. And then Peter took off running and he went to the tomb and he found it empty. This verse that we just read tells us that he is indeed risen and he has already appeared to Simon. That's Peter. And he continued to seek out Peter. In John chapter 21, the risen Jesus shows up by the side of the lake where Peter's fishing, calls him in and has breakfast with him and restores their relationship and says, Peter, listen, I knew everything about you. I knew what you would do and when you would do it. I knew that you were not strong enough. I knew that you would fail me, but I still have a plan for your life and it's greater than you can imagine. Peter, I'm alive. And if I'm alive... You can be alive too. Guys, I don't know what you've done to blow it with God. I could give you a list of some of the stuff I've done, but we're not going to do that. But you know what? Even when you think it's over, this is the good news of Easter. Even when you think it's over, it's always the right time to make things right with Jesus. As soon as he was risen, he sought Peter out. 
Listen, if you're alive and able to hear my voice, it is not too late to apply the good news. God is not finished with you yet. It's the good news of Easter. God's love for you has not changed because you've blown it. His love for you has not changed because you went in the wrong direction. His love for you has not changed because you really never expected much from Him in the first place. He knows you. He made you. And He loves you. That's what Easter weekend is about. The cross cost Him everything. And He did it for you knowing you would walk away. Knowing you would blow it. Knowing who you are without Him. So whether you're a person who has never expected much from Jesus, or whether you're a person who is walking away from Him right now, or whether you're a person who has blown it so much that you know that He wouldn't possibly accept you back, the message of Easter is good news for you. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Because He's alive, you can have life abundantly. The tomb is empty. It really is. The Lord is risen. He really is. He is alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father, where He makes intercession for you at all times. He has gone from being in the place of being a judge to being the defense attorney for those who need a defense attorney. He paid the price, and He defeated sin. He rose again, and He defeated death. And He has a plan for your life that will absolutely blow your mind if you'll just jump in with Him. So don't miss one more moment of the abundant life that He has planned for you. He died. That's true. But there's something else that's true. He is risen.